Welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 19 years of healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My skill in moving energy combined with my medical background have been a catalyst for change in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. Hello and welcome to the Remenu Cherry Show. We're live here in Seattle and we are all turning back onto the air, coming back onto the air after a very long holiday stretch. So we hope that your holiday was amazing and transformative and fun and loving and you had delicious food and that you're excited about the new year and that you're working on your vibration in the new year so that you can allow all the things that you want in your life to come in this year and all the years that will be, you know, in your future. And on a high vibrational note, we have the pleasure of interviewing people who I believe are on the leading edge of thought. And this morning, we have Neil Donald Walsh, um, the author of many, many books, but of course, the one that one of the series of books that he's most famous for is Conversations with God. Um, I've read those books so many times. They are so beautiful and gorgeous. Neil Donald Walsh is a modern-day spiritual messenger whose words continue to touch the world in profound ways. With an interest in religion and a deeply felt connection to spirituality, Neil spent the majority of his early life thriving professionally, yet always searching for spiritual meaning. With the epiphany of experiencing his now famous Conversations with God, the series of books that emerged from those encounters has been translated into 37 language languages, touching millions and inspiring important changes to their day-to-day lives. Neil has written 28 books on spirituality and its practical applications in everyday life books and titles that include Conversations with God, 1 through 3, Friendship with God, Communion with God, The New Revelations, Tomorrow's God, What God Wants, and Home with God, and many, many more. Um, Neil Donald Walsh has just published another book, a beautiful book that's called God's Messages to the World, We've, You've Got Me All Wrong. So welcome to the show, Neil. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here. Oh, thank you for being here with us. And you live in another gorgeous um, part of the world on the West Coast. And so I, I, I feel this kinship as I've traveled to that part of, of course, the state of Oregon. And it's just lovely. Um, so we're so happy that you can be with us on the air here in Seattle. You know, you've been writing about spirituality and God for quite a while now. Yes, well, you know, actually, I've been I've been cogitating about it for all of my life since I was seven years old. Really, I I grew up in a household uh, that was very spiritually alive. Uh, it was I was born and raised a Roman Catholic. My mother was a very devout Catholic. Uh, my father as well, and so, uh, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't in any oppressive kind of a way, which was a blessing in my house. It was just simply there, just simply part of the milieu, part of the whole whole growing-up experience. And uh, as I grew older, I began to realize that in my own particular experience, it was just my own encounter, uh, I didn't uh, agree or couldn't find a place of harmony with some of the uh, teachings, uh, of the doctrines of the Catholic Church. So I began to look around, you know, what else might be out there uh, for me to explore. And I looked at most of the world's great religions, uh, and then finally somewhere, and that took me not a short time, but it did that for a period of about 10 or 15 years. And then somewhere in my early 30s, I, I actually dropped the whole subject. I thought, you know what, there are so many different ideas here about who and what God is and what God wants and all the rest that maybe I should just just let it let it alone for a while and, and, and just go my, go my own way, which I did. 
uh, for the next uh, 10 or 15 years. But then in my late 40s, just before my 50th birthday, I began. I had another uh, experience of awakening. It was at the time when I lost everything in my life. And of course, that, that's when everyone turns back to God, when you have disaster in your life. And I had an automobile accident. I broke my neck. I was out of work wow. for a year and a half. As luck would have it, the insurance company wouldn't pay off. It was the other driver's fault. Everyone understood that, but the insurance company was trying to you know, nibble me down so that their, their settlement wouldn't have to be so bad. That whole process with the lawyers and everything took a year and a half, almost two years, during which I was out of work because I had a broken neck. I couldn't do anything. I was walking around in a Philadelphia collar. That's the long <laughs> and the short of it. And so somewhere around my 50th birthday, I just called out to God. I was then living on the street because I had lost my, I couldn't work. I couldn't do, I could, I could hardly move. I was immobilized with this collar around my neck that I wore 24 hours a day. The doctors advised me I was very lucky to even be alive. Most people who have a broken neck, and I had a three-quarter inch avulsion fracture of the seventh cervical vertebrae posteriorly, uh, don't live through that. Or if they do live through it, they're paralyzed for life. Neither of those things occurred in my case. I was one of those one-in-a-million instances where I could still move around, and I, I survived. But I, it took me a year and a half to two years to heal that uh, terrific neck wound. The result of which was, there I was, uh, Marie, just looking at life and looking at this whole question and finally calling out to God again and saying to God, you know, what do you want from me? What do you want? What does it take? What does it take to, 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 to make life work? And what have I done to live a life of such continuing struggle, ending with this now disastrous broken neck experience, and uh, thank you for saving my life, but now what? <laughs> wow. And so that's, that, that's the long and the short of it in three and a half minutes of, of how I got to that night in my life when I simply called out to God and I said, okay, I'm really done. You know, I don't want to play anymore. Wow. Either give me the rule book or I'm out. And, and so not only surviving, you know, a fracture of a cervical vertebrae, which, yes, many times leads to um, you know, a breakdown of the, of the spinal cord, a laceration of the spinal cord, which leads to paralysis or death when we're in the neck region. And, uh, and so, you, you know, you yell out to God, well, nicely, because you're polite. You know? So you have this, you know, query of concerns and this kind of a little bit of a plead. And maybe once again, you're one of those people, one in a million, who actually gets a big download of a response. You know what? Uh, my experience has been that I'm in that in that respect, I'm not one in a million. <laughs> and I was told directly in uh, in my conversations with God, uh, I, God said to me, I talk to everyone right. all the time. Right. The, the question is not to whom do I talk. The question is who listens. So what I've learned is that I'm not one in a million with regard to that, that everyone is receiving what we would just call downloads or inspiration or understandings or, you know, uh, uh, awarenesses. Uh, and, and we call them something else. We call them women's intuition. We call them a, a sudden insight, we, 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 a, a, a stroke of genius, a moment of great luck. We give it all sorts of other names because we don't want to be ridiculed or marginalized because we live in a, in a world, in a society, in a culture that makes it wrong, actually wrong, for us to say, you know, God's talking to me directly. So right. we, can't, we can't say that. We can say that we talk to God. <laughs> Lily Tomlin, by the way, the wonderful comedian, put that beautifully about 10 years ago. She said, when I tell people I talk to God every day, they say, how devout. You're really a devout person. <laughs> when I tell people that God talks to me every day, they tell me that I'm insane. <laughs> so do you think that your ability to have these long conversations with creation, source, God, the universe, has to do with 
your molecular frequency about having a relationship with God. You know, even though you were raised in maybe more of a conservative approach towards the meaning of God and faith and all of that, you were also raised with a lot of love about it. And, you know, love has a very, very high frequency. And I personally think, because I agree with you, that everyone communicates or whether they realize it or not, we're in constant communication with everything and everything is God, that um, that your high frequency, because of the love that you have, allowed you to hear and understand and utilize the conversations you were having. I think you characterized it perfectly. I think you're precisely correct. I was raised in a very loving household. In a household, again, I wasn't taught about a, an angry or a vindictive God. Those words weren't used in my household at all. I was told about a God who loved you and would always help you and be there in any time of need or stress. That, that's the God that I was introduced to. Uh, and I went to a parochial school and learned more about that kind of God as well. Wow. They t- of course, they talked about you know they talked about hell and damnation and so forth, but not not it's not really stressed really heavily uh, in the Catholic Church as much as it is in certain other uh, fundamentalist religions. So mm-hmm. I was you know I, I, I you're you're absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. I had this great love of God, mm-hmm. uh, and even though I d- uh, differed as I mentioned with some of the specific doctrines of the Catholic Church, I never relinquished my love of God. You're you're precisely right. Has that made me more, hmm, what I say, more open, more available yeah. to be able to recognize, not, not, not more available to receive the information from God, because we're all receiving it, but more available to recognize yeah. it and, and, and to be open to it uh, and to hear it loudly and clearly? I think you're right. The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's why you um, decided to go over some of the kind of previous, in a new way, in, in a new highly beautiful or, you know, wonderful vibrational way in your new book, God's Messages to the World, You've Got Me All Wrong, so that people will start to shift their own molecular structure. You know, the more they understand about the truth of God in, in all the ways that you have learned, you know, in all your beautiful conversations, that that could help them to shift their, their vibration so that they can be more open to actually hear or experience the things that you have. I'm hoping, Marie, that that's exactly what will happen. I'm hoping and trusting that I want to make it clear. I, you know, I could be wrong about all of this. I'm not setting myself up for, for one minute as the person who has all the answers. But I do think it's important for us to at least ask some questions that we have been loath to ask as a culture, as a species, now for thousands and thousands of years. It's not even okay to question in certain circles, to even question the information, the doctrines, the dogma that we've been given by our various religions. Uh, to openly question them is considered to be blasphemy or heresy. I think it's time right now. I think God invites and encourages the kind of courage, the kind of personal bravery that allows us to simply ask a simple, simple question. Is it possible? Is it just possible that there's something we don't fully understand here about God and about life, the understanding of which would change everything? And is it possible, just possible, that some, not all, but some of the notions, some of the ideas that we have about God may not be totally accurate? Right. For instance, the notion, and in the book I explore 17 of those notions, what I call misunderstandings that we might have about God, and I simply invite people to explore those statements to see if that really, really and truly feels true at the depth of our being. You know, one of the questions that I, because I have some of them with me, thanks to you, um, one of them is, how important is it that humanity, all of us, understand the reality of God? How important is it right now? Because I think there's a gigantic shift, which is so funny. I've interviewed a lot of people um, on this show, and 
for years, people have been talking about the Earth having this molecular, you know, shifting or changing happening right around 2012. And quite frankly, um, Donald, I didn't really, or Neil, excuse me, um, I didn't really see that happening. I'm like, yeah, maybe a little bit. I don't know. I mean, really, I, I did not. And energy is my business. And yet I really feel it now. I, I started feeling it probably about eight months ago. The Earth's frequency has drastically changed, meaning that all of our vibrational pattern is changing at the same time. It has to because we live on the planet, which also means that the cosmos, their vibrational pattern is affecting our Earth's atmosphere and this beautiful you know, organism that we all live upon. So how important yeah. is it that humanity understand the reality of God now? Well, well, you know, it's it's uh, you're you're sewing the pitch right into my wheelhouse. Uh, it's it's a great question, and it's the question I've looked at looked at for the past twenty years since the. This is, by the way, the twentieth anniversary year of the publication of Conversation. Exactly twenty years ago next month. Congratulations! Book, Congratulations! Well, thank you. When the book was published, so I've been looking at that question for two decades. I think it's I think it's vitally important for the following reason. I think that if we not not that God is not present if we don't believe in in God. I mean, you know, God doesn't simply evaporate or go away. Nor does God uh, discontinue in in any particular way, um, providing all of life throughout the universe, including obviously life on Earth, with all the energies that divinity uh, is composed of. So God isn't going to abandon us if we don't uh, <laughs> if we don't agree that God exists. However. It's kind of like having a car in your driveway, and, you know, the car's not going to disappear. It's not going to go away. It's not going to not be there. But if you don't put fuel in the tank and, get, and turn the key and drive it around, if you don't use the power uh, to move through life that your car gives you, it doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do you very much good just to sit there in the driveway. So the, the real question is, do we want God to be just an, an essence that just exists and sits there in the driveway, so to speak, metaphorically, or do we want to use uh, that energy as it was intended to be used to put to employ that essential essence that some people call God, Allah, Brahman, Jehovah, Yahweh, whatever name <laughs> it uh, pleases us to refer to that ineffable essence that is the divine. And now, at this time when there is an energy shift on the planet, I, by the way, I couldn't agree with you more, uh, that that energy shift is going to create two, uh, two phenomena. One, that which embraces it and finds itself to be in harmony with it, and that which is not in harmony, because because we haven't had that energy shift, that kind of energy shift on the planet for thousands of years. Thousands. So now it, there are those who just don't know what to do about it, and they, in fact, uh, either uh, directly or indirectly oppose it because they're afraid. You know, just afraid mm -hmm. of what's going on. Why does everything feel different, and why do we feel so threatened? The result of that is what we're seeing on the planet right now, this incredible arising, this incredible increase in the number of violent, terror-filled terror activities, not the least of which occurred in France just two days ago, yes, and, yes. And, uh, and what's going on in Iraq and, and Syria, and for that matter, Ferguson, New, Ferguson Missouri, and, and New York City, and everywhere else, which is this whole experience of upheaval as the two forces, the two energy centers, those who uh, understand this energy shift and those who are frightened by it, clash in the middle in what uh, has been called the, the, the clash of civilizations. That's what we're going to be experiencing now. And if we choose to move through that, that contrasting clash of civilizations without using the power of God, I think we're going to find ourselves in some difficulty, in some, in some enormous uh, uh, moments of, 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 of challenge and change and difficulty. Mm -hmm. I wrote about this in a book a couple of years ago called The Storm Before the Calm. And in that book, I indicated to my readers that 
uh, I, I felt that we were at this critical juncture. It was in 2012, I think, that book was published, uh, or 2011, just before the shift began to occur. And the book made the point that we are now creating or experiencing the upheaval, the upheaval of our civilization, mm-hmm. and, 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 and the overhaul, really, the overhaul of humanity. This doesn't mean that we're somehow coming to a terrible crashing end. When we overhaul an engine, we overhaul the engine to make it run better than it ever ran before. Right. So that's what's happening right now. It's kind of like what happened to you, you know, with the, your neck fracturing and, you know, not having a job and, you know, not being able, you, you survived, which is wonderful, but you had a breakdown in your life and you had to rehaul yourself. You know, you had to overhaul your own engine to a better, more profound place. And I think I that, think this is happening. Yeah, I think yes. this is happening in the lives of people individually. I've, I've right. run into more more people in the past year and a half than I ever ran into before who having their whole lives are in upheaval. Right. Relationships have ended. They've, they've lost their job. They're losing their home. You know, this is happening to more and more, and actually thousands and thousands right. of people wherever I go, and it's happening globally, as we said, in civilizations, in governments, the international political scene is just in a, in a state of great upheaval. And now if we're not ready to turn to and to utilize this energy, this ineffable essence that we call the divine, if we're going to try to go it alone and, and, and pretend or believe that such an energy does not exist, I think we're, we're going to have a little a difficult time. Yeah, it might be a more challenging recovery. Um, and, and you know what I think what happens is, is, like you said, the universe is speaking to us. God is talking to us all the time. We don't have to wait till we reach these pivotal points where it's so obvious that we're not walking the path that is in alignment with our higher self and our true joy, where we continue to feel separate from source energy um, creation. And my favorite word, God, I love that word, Um, is, you know, that's what wakes us up to go, oh, my gosh, I need to make some changes here. And thankfully, you know, we have wonderful people like you on the planet to help remind us of that so that we don't feel separate, so that we can feel the essence that is here to support us and to create magic in every profound situation, whether it feels positive or negative, um, for each and every single one of us. That's, that's the last of the 17 statements that I explore in the book, God's message. There's no S on the end of that word. God's message to the world is a single message, a simple message. You've got me all wrong. And the 17 statements that are explored in God's message to the world include the statement, God is separate from us. It's a true or false quiz. I I, I put (laughs) place before humanity a simple true or false quiz. True or false, God is separate from us. True or false, God is to be feared. True or false, God is vengeful and God's love can turn to wrath. True or false, God demands obedience. I actually include 17 statements like that, and I invite the reader to just look inside, go to the deepest part of their highest understanding, and to simply ask themselves, does that feel true, or does that feel false? Mm, Love it, love it, love it. I'm having the pleasure of interviewing Neil Donald Walsh. He's the author of many, many books on spirituality. He's devoted his life to helping all of us feel our connection to God. We're going to take a break here, and we'll be right back. Would you like to be a Reiki master? Join Marie at the Redmond Hyatt, March 27th through the 29th. This two-and-a-half-day transformative workshop is open to people at all levels of energy medicine healing knowledge. Completing the course will certify you as a Reiki 1, 2, and 3 practitioner. 
This is truly a transformative weekend. Enrollment is limited, therefore registration is required. For more information about the Reiki Master Workshop at the Redmond Hyatt in Redmond, Washington, visit energyintuitive.com. In the small town of Elmira, New York, a boy was born into an all-American family. The odds of him opening his own clothing store at the age of 18? One in 138,000. Excited to be a part of pop culture, he packed for the big city. The odds of finding someone to invest in his vision? One in 4.5 million. The odds of him achieving his dream in the fashion industry? One in 23 million. The odds of having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 68. I am Tommy Hilfiger, and my family is affected by autism. I encourage you to learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. You probably know Alternative Talk 1150 AM is the home of great shows like Conscious Talk, The Scandinavian Hour, and The Truth About Nutrition. But did you know it could also be the home of your own radio program? If you have an idea for a radio program to promote your business or address the topics you want to talk about, call Eric Crema at 425-653-1150 and find out how you could join the Alternative Talk 1150 AM family. 425-653-1150. Or visit our website at 1150kknw.com and click on Contact Us. Let your voice be heard on Alternative Talk 11. 50 a.m. Manifesting dreams into reality is meant to be exciting and easy. When the tools you use stop working, a lack of self-worth is most likely holding you back. Marie's Affirm Your Worth cards are the perfect solution to increase self-appreciation while magnetizing your dreams into reality in a nurturing and fun way. Order your Affirm Your Worth cards today online at energyintuitive.com or call 425-485-8813. That's 425 425- 485-8813. We live in a world that's become predictable. Our realities are filled with distractions, hopelessness, and confusion. We've begun to lose touch of what we're truly capable of. It's time for us to regain our true potential. Join psychic medium and crystal child Lindsay Paul as she connects to the other side and brings back messages from beyond, along with her psychic and skeptic Abraham DeWeese and indigo child Sarah Ellis. They'll help you sort of new heights by answering your questions. Don't miss Wisdom Within Radio, Thursdays at 1 p.m. Clear, clean, and crisp. Check us out in digital quality sound on FM 98.9 HD3. Alternative Talk 1150. Thank you, Vinny. I love that music. Welcome back to the show, everyone. We're live here in Seattle. You can also listen to us on the web at energyintuitive.com. And where else can people listen to us on the web, Vinny? 1150kknw.com. Wonderful. And Mm -hmm. that's where we are, 1150 Mm -hmm. a.m. So if you're in Seattle or in the Washington surrounding Mm -hmm. area, you can just get on your radio dial and listen to us live. Yeah, and also on the Internet, we are streaming both both audibly. audibly. (laughs) I'll get that word out there. And visually, visually, Maria's been uh, taking a cue from here. Here, waving, yeah, to waving everybody. blowing kisses through the cameras. <laughs> and they're in, just giving uh, them right back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so today I have the pleasure of interviewing Neil Donald Walsh. His books have redefined God and shifted spiritual paradigms around the globe. In order to deal with the enormous response to his writing,
meetings. He has created several outreach projects, including CWG Foundations, Conversations with God Foundations for Parents, Humanities Team, Helping Outreach and Global Conversations that are accessible around the world. You can go to www.ewgportal.com. And all are dedicated to help the world move from violence to peace, from confusion to clarity, and from anger to love. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. It's a a joy. It's truly a joy. As you know, I've been reading your books probably for 20 years. This is the 20-year anniversary, which to me just seems like yesterday. I, I mean, really, you know, the... The, the words and phrases are in my mind often. Um, and, and, of course, I couldn't really pick a favorite out of all the conversations, but book two does kind of tickle my fancy. Um, <laughs> but I just, I love them all. They're just absolutely gorgeous. So back to our conversation, you know, um, does God require us to believe in God and to worship in a certain way? No. No, uh, not at all. Uh, any, any more than then we require our children uh, to love us in a particular way or to respond to us in a particular way. I often tell my children, and I have nine of them, oh my gosh. Uh, that, you know, <laughs> that it, it's not yeah. necessary, you know, for, for, you know, you know how kids say things like even when you're, when you're, I hate you because <laughs> you, cause you, cause you told them to do something they didn't want it, whatever. And I used to say to my children, you know, it's okay. That's all right. You know, I'm always here. I'll be here forever. doesn't matter. You know, Neil, you can, I you can have any feeling about me that you want to have about me. So God says the same thing to us, really. God, God's very clear. I don't know Jesus how says, you know what? you've raised nine children and written all of these books and traveled around the world. I mean, wow. Thank you so much for everything that you do. And I completely agree. So so in a way, um, perhaps we, you know, we could say that God is like a very loving, compassionate parent who just adores and cherishes us at all times. Unconditionally, mm-hmm. I might add. Mm. And so uh, it's not necessary for us to believe in God, much less to believe in God in any particular way, because God really, honestly, God sees us as little as little children. Let me just take a minute here and explain why that's true, so people can contextualize what I'm saying. Supposing that the history of this planet were charted on a single year's calendar, meaning that midnight in January would be the origin of the Earth, and midnight December 31st would be the present day. If that were true, then each day of our history on this planet would represent 12 million years of actual history. On that scale, I hope people hear this now, on that scale, the first form of life, a simple bacterium, would arise sometime in February. But the dinosaurs didn't arrive until December 10th, and they disappear on Christmas Day. The first of our ancestors, recognizable as human, would not show up until hmm, the afternoon of December 31st. Our species, Homo sapiens, would emerge around 11.45 p.m. on New Year's Eve, and all that has happened in recorded history would occur in the final minute of the year. Wow. I bring that up to allow people to understand how young our species is relative to the age of the Earth. Forget about the age of the universe. And that which is the source of all creation understands that perfectly, understands that we are an emerging species just now birthing ourselves into the cosmic community of sentient beings. We are just now emerging from our long gestation period, and, and we are now like you know, infants uh, as sentient beings in the, in the universe go. So God understands that, and that's, of course, the explanation for our totally self-destructive behaviors. Wow. 
That was amazing. What a beautiful analogy. I, I can just hear and feel many, many people's brains who are listening to the show right now and, and the people who will be listening to it in the in the future as it's podcasted, um, having a dramatic effect on their molecules. I mean, wow, that was just lovely and amazing. And so really, even though it seems like a very long period of time, we it, it's it's in a way, it's just been a blink of an eye in a way. And, and now we're, we stand at this pivotal moment where... Um, consciousness is having a, a very large shift. There's no doubt about that. We are, in fact, as, as my lovely friend Barbara Marks Hubbard loves to say, we are, in fact, birthing ourselves right now into the cosmic community of sentient beings. We're very, very young. We are the infants of the universe. So, we, you know, we need to stop our infantile behaviors, but I think we will do that as we mature and grow into full-fledged adults. Uh, in 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 the cosmos, and and what'll happen? What'll uh, to change all that will be that when we alter our beliefs. Right now, we have rather, if I could put it that way, without wanting to be pejorative, mm-hmm. but just descriptive. We are in fact holding some very primitive uh, beliefs, mm-hmm. primitive beliefs about life, about uh, God, about ourselves, about each other. Primitive beliefs that when a, when a person can can kill ten people, shouting God is great in the yeah. process. <laughs> uh, right. We we are pretty clear that we have a huge misunderstanding, an enormous disconnect. And the sad part about it is that people believe that. I mean, they, they actually hold that as truth, just as in other areas we hold it as truth that, you know, God wants us to do strange things. As an example, just to use an example, in the state of Texas, more, more people have been killed by the death penalty, that is, murdered by the, murdered by the state, by the government, than have been murdered in, in in most in many of the other countries of the world for uh, entire countries right. for the past year. Right. See, we think the death penalty is is appropriate because, after all, God says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So we actually find as our moral authority to kill people outright. We use God as our moral authority to do that. Right. And so, down in Texas and elsewhere in this country as well, we kill people as a means of teaching people that killing people is not okay. Right, right. And of course, creation doesn't really think that the state of Texas or any other state or any other country, you know, of course, I'm assuming, but this is how I feel in my personal relationship with God, which I want to talk about, you know, how important it is for people to develop a personal relationship with God, um, that that's not true at all. Like, God doesn't say that. God hasn't said most of the things we imagine that God has said. God hasn't said that my love will turn to wrath. God hasn't said that I'm at war with the devil, and that's how this all began. God hasn't said that I honor self-sacrifice and long-suffering, much less martyrdom in my name. And God hasn't said it's okay to kill other people in my name. Right. And you know, the obvious, obvious contradictions you would think would be uh, apparent to most people. But we are infants, we're children, and things are not apparent uh, to children until they grow out of their infantile thinking and their infantile behaviors. Wow. So how important is it for us to have a personal relationship with well, the Well, as divine? I said earlier, uh, as I said earlier uh, it's, it's important only to the degree that we choose to use the extraordinary, extraordinary uh, power and, and energy opportunity that uh, belief in God 
places at our disposal. We don't choose to use that. It's, it's fine. We're not going to go to hell, or we're not going to suffer any kind of long damnation or difficulty. Our life isn't going to be worse. God isn't going to punish us in some way because we aren't believing in God. But what makes it critical, I think, is that the opportunities that we have are become extraordinary, breathtaking, when we decide to use that extraordinary energy, that power that that is everything, but to place it at our disposal and, and, and that allows us to use it in a deliberate and an intentioned uh, and in a consistent way, that, that this energy actually produces outcomes in both everyday life and in the life of collectives, groups, entire civilizations. So there you go. The, 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 it's, it's important to that degree. And if, But I want to make it clear, if people think, you know, I can get along without that, I don't really need that, fine, mm-hmm. fair enough, go for mm-hmm. it. Because as you believe it, so will it be done unto you. And if your belief is, I'm fine without it, in fact, you probably will be, except to the degree that you'll be not using that wonderful vehicle that is in your driveway. You can get a lot further on the roadway and the highway. Highway, uh, Gosh, God, God bless Michael Landon. You'll get a lot <laughs> further on the highway to heaven if you get in the car and drive it rather than let it sit in your driveway. Right. Lovely. Lovely. Um, so we're going to go ahead and go to the phone lines, and who do we have um, waiting for us? Yeah, we'll start things off. We'll take Carol calling in from Seattle. She had a question about how to communicate spiritually with a conservative family member. Quite mm. the question. That's a great Hi question. Hi there. Hi. Hi, both of you, Neil and Marie. Um, Neil, thank you very much for the daily emails. They're just so wonderful, and for all your work. Um, my question is... Uh, Thanks to Marie, I've been on the the woo-woo trail, I guess you could say, for the last couple of years. And I've recently um, gone back to Episcopal Church, which has just been amazing with the woo-woo layer laid over that experience. Um, I was really surprised at how much more meaningful the readings and sermons are with that kind of understanding that I've been gaining. So um, my question is, I I kind of have trouble communicating with my brother sometimes. He's a very strict, um, conservative Christian, and he says things like, you know, if the entire Bible isn't literally true, then none of it is true, Um, things like that. Um, He's a good person, but I think that in our world, the way it's developing, communication is so important, and I don't want to totally avoid a subject that's just so important to both of us, but... I also don't want to get into a useless argument about things. Um, so I'm just would wondering... It, would, would, it if, be, would it be useful to point out to him passages in the Bible that couldn't possibly be taken as literally true? Then what would he say? For instance, have him just read the book of Deuteronomy. De- Deuteronomy, and have him read, read the book out loud. Just have a, have a dinner, have a, hold a dinner party with just you and he. Have some wine and cheese and a lovely dinner, and then say, "Let's let's read the book of Deuteronomy and tell me whether you think this book should be taken literally true." Because if you do, then you and I simply have a difference of opinion. Because in the book of Deuteronomy, just to give you one example, I could give you twenty, but I'll give you one. It says, "If your child is uh, rebellious and refuses to obey you, he should be taken to the town gates and and uh, and killed, uh, and stoned uh-huh. to death, actually." Uh, so, so have him have him just read the book of Deuteronomy, where it says that if a man and a woman are found to have an affair, they, they shall be taken to the town gates and killed as well. 
And so too, if a woman is found to be not a virgin at the time of her marriage, she should also be taken to the town gates and killed. And there are many, many other. So, you know, the, the, the Bible is replete with, not, not just in the book of Deuteronomy, but all throughout the Bible, replete with statements that are me- meant to be meta- metaphorical, of course, but cannot be literally true, couldn't, couldn't possibly be literally true. So it's, it's a relatively simple task to prove that the Bible couldn't be literally to the letter uh, the Word of God. Obviously, that's not so, and that would be really simple. I would also point him to two books. The, the book we're talking about on the program today, God's Message to the World, You've Got Me All Wrong. <laughs> Just invite him, say, you know, I don't think you're going to agree with it, but would you be open enough intellectually to simply explore it as a basis for discussion? Just to just to talk about it. And the other book you may want to point him to is a book called What God Wants. What God Wants is an extraordinary book that explores the, some of the same questions. And you know, you'd say to him as an as an intellectual exploration, I'm not trying to change your mind about anything. I'm not trying to convince you of anything, and I'm certainly not trying to convert you to anything. But I do think your I find your ideas rather fascinating. I find your ideas interesting enough to explore more deeply. Would you offer me the same respect with my ideas? Not that you have to agree, but are you willing to explore them more deeply so we could have an actual meaningful conversation about them? And in fact, not a debate, not an argument, but just a deep exploration between two people who respect and love each other. That's what I would say. Prove that I'm right and he's wrong. I don't want that kind of discussion. Um, so I think the way that you've framed it, and the wine and cheese, I like that part too, <laughs> um, is really good. Thank you so much. Aww. I will Thanks, Carol. And that was lovely, Neil. That was just beautiful. Um, it was some I've never read the Bible before, so I don't know all of its interesting um, stories. Um, but thank you so much for your knowledge and, and helping this lovely person to be able to have a, a fun, hopefully, an interesting conversation. Because this is how we're going to help the world to maintain that vibrational frequency that is shifting is is to be able to be open to different concepts and perceptions, allowing yes, us, and- right? Yeah. And may I add something yes, for Carol, that, Carol, also it's important to say to your brother, as I say to every person who holds those kinds of beliefs that she's describing, that her brother holds, uh, I say to every person who holds those beliefs, you know what, if, if that works for you, if that feels true for you in your heart, and that works for you to have a joyful, happy, better life, I'm, who am I? Who am I to suggest that that's not true, or that you should somehow change your mind about that? Absolutely, I'm, I'm not. I'm not even in the in the mood. Nor is it my idea that you ought to change your mind about what works for you. If that belief system works for you, then by golly, hold true to that belief system. There's more than one way to the mountaintop. That's the only place where you and I might might disagree. There's more than one pathway to the top of the mountain. But if your pathway is getting you there, then by golly, go there. Absolutely. That's beautiful. So back to some of these questions. Um, Why does God seem to answer some prayers but not others? Uh, God doesn't. (laughs) Well, that's an interesting point. God does seem to, to to use the words you just used. But God doesn't, in fact, answer some prayers and and not others. God Mm -hmm. answers all prayers. Uh, And so what what we have to understand, however, is that Everything we think, say, and do is a prayer. That is, we're talking about energy here. Simple, right. simple energy. Right. A thought is energy. Fear is energy. Love, of course, is energy. And, and th- there's nothing else but energy. The entire, the entire experience of life is simply energy made manifest in multitudinous and limitless forms. When we understand that, that we understand then that everything that we think, say, and do is a prayer. If somebody had said that to me when I was seven years old, or for that matter, 17, or even 27, 
if somebody had said to me, do you realize that everything you think, say, and do generates energy, and energy attracts like energy? Energy is, is, a, a, pro, is, a, is a, a product of the universe that reproduces itself. It's a great big Xerox machine. So, in fact, uh, God does answer uh, all prayers, but uh, we, when we have to look very carefully at what the process by which prayers are answered is, and if, for instance, if I say, you know, I, I, I want to triple my income next year, and then in the next breath say, oh, Neil, be realistic. Just be, be realistic. That's not going to happen. Come on. Well, then, of course, God says, there you are. You just, right. you, just you know, right. you just denied what you, what you asked for. So, really, so, the universe is answering us all the time. You know, God sends all the energetic molecular energy that we can possibly want based on our current frequency and vibration. And if we maintain a consistency that we could triple our income next year and we feel good about it and happy and grateful, then that energy can come to us and we can actually have a tripling of our income. But if we go I believe, I believe up and that's down. So, but yeah. but I've, I've been told something even more profound, mm. however. Mm. The challenge in the world today is that we, what we want is the wrong stuff. The, the, the objectives, the goals that we are setting for our lives are simply the wrong goals. And, and that's what we don't understand fully about life, the understanding of which would change everything. The purpose of life is not, to, you know, that he with the most toys at the end wins. We're not trying to get the highest salary or the, the, the nicest maid or the best house or the nicest car. Most people understand that, and still they strive for it. That's what's interesting. Most people understand what I've just said, that those things are not the most important things in life, and yet we spend 98% of our time striving for those things nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So God says, you know, there's a, there's a disconnect here. Mm-hmm. At some level, you realize it's not about get the guy, get the girl, get the car, get the job, get the house, get the better car, get the better job, get the better house, get the better spouse, get the kids, get the grandkids. It's not what it's about. So, so you, what you need to do is hone in on what life is really about, that life is a spiritual experience, the outcome of which is a spiritual outcome, having nothing to do with your mortgage, your car, your job, or any of the physicalities of your life. Those things will occur as part of your life, but those aren't the main goals of your life. The problem with most human beings is they've made those things the main goals of their life. When they make the spiritual component of their life, the soul's agenda, the main goal of their life, these other things happen automatically. They just fall in on you as someone far more articulate and far more uh, extraordinary than I will ever be once said. Seek he first. First the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added unto you. And so what you're talking about is it's very important for us to have authentic, real relationships with ourselves and with God, creation, so that we know exactly what we really do want, because we may think we want the newest BMW on the market, but we may not want that really at all. There may be something very, very different that sings to our heart more profoundly than any car on the planet And that if we put our vital life force energy in gratitude in that way, then we're going to get what we really want, which, of course, will allow us to enjoy our life and be fed well and and have a beautiful place that we enjoy personally to live in and to then have the energy to help other people um, in, in their life as well. Most people, the irony is that most people understand what you've just said. When you talk to people individually and ask them if the highest priority of their car is the new BMW, they'll look at you and laugh and say, of course not. If, say, if you say, well, you know, is, the, is the, your highest priority to triple your salary next year? They'll say, of course not. Right. See, most people individually understand perfectly well that those things aren't important. They simply act as if they were. Mm, I see. Very interesting. I'm having the pleasure of interviewing Neil Donald Walsh. He is the author of many, many books and, of course, the famous Conversations with God. His newest book 
is, I'm so sorry, I've missed my page here. <laughs> God's message to the world, you've got me all wrong. Thank you so much. <laughs> We're going to take a break here on the Remanu Cherry Show. We'll be right back. If you want to know how to get in touch with Marie or find out what's on her calendar, there's a variety of ways to do so. You could become Marie's friend on Facebook or even follow her on Twitter. Check out Marie's website. There's tons of new features like Chakra of the Month, a live Twitter feed, and three PDFs with extensive exercises for your chakras. You can also sign up for Marie's free quarterly newsletter and also get your questions answered in her Dear Marie column. Simply email Marie your question and she will answer it in an upcoming edition. Marie also will be speaking and signing books throughout the U.S. in 2014. Find out if she'll be in your area on her events page at energyintuitive.com. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We bring a unique talk radio blend your way every Friday and Saturday on 1150 KKNW. From pop culture to the paranormal, you get variety in a conversational style. Whether it's UFOs or ESP, angels or the afterlife, Bigfoot or your big dreams, everything is fair game on our show. Join the A-Team of Alternative Talk Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on the station that leads the pack without following the herd. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. He stayed focused. He stayed committed. He took chances. He lived daringly. And while he died at a young age, he lived a long life in terms of service and witness he piled into those 39 years, 100 years or more of service and loving and caring. He is the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. He inspired us in words. Everybody can be great. But he led us in deeds. Because everybody can say. To honor him, let's do the same. Go to mlkday.gov and find out how to volunteer on Martin Luther King Day and beyond. That's mlkday.gov. This message is brought to you by the Corporation for National and Community Service. Would you like to be a Reiki master? Join Marie at the Redmond Hyatt, September 25th through the 27th of 2015. This two-and-a-half-day transformative workshop is open to people at all levels of energy medicine healing knowledge. Completing the course will certify you as a Reiki 1, 2, and 3 practitioner. This is truly a transformative weekend. Enrollment is limited, therefore registration is required. For more information about the Reiki Master Workshop at the Redmond Hyatt in Redmond, Washington, visit energyintuitive.com. Tired of the insanity of other talk radio stations? Just click your radio knob and say there's no place like Alternative Talk 1150. It's a miracle. And welcome back to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We're having the pleasure and the joy of interviewing Neil Donald Walsh, the author of many, many books, his newest, which I hope you pick up. Read, in fact, you can read five chapters for free online. You can go to God's Messages to the World info, which is the name of the book. Subtitle is there would, there would be no S at the end of that word. Ah. It'd be God's message to the world dot info. If they go to messages, they'll never get there. <laughs> and the subtitle is You've Got Me All Wrong. 
Um, beautiful, beautiful, just absolutely lovely. So this whole thing about hell and the devil and all of that, um, what does God think about that? Well, there's no such thing as the devil. Uh, Satan does not exist, but Satan is a wonderful acronym for seeing all things as negative, or seeing anything as negative, for that matter. But there's no real, uh, I mean, <laughs> the, the, the notion that somehow God created, it was an angel, you know, Lucifer, who disobeyed God or, or angered God in some way or tried to be the same as God, and God said, you know, oh, you think you're as powerful as me, so I will condemn you to everlasting damnation. However, I will not eliminate you. I'll, I'll enter into, how about if I enter into an eternal competition for men's souls? There's a good idea. And sometimes you can win, and sometimes I can win. If you win, the souls go with you to hell. If I win, the souls come to me in heaven. Isn't that a great game? How, how about if we just play that for the rest of eternity? So why would God set up such an extraordinary, extraordinary story and allow you know, the devil to, to play uh, its uh, effect in people's lives in such a global, international, and eternal competition for men's souls? Such a competition does not exist. If, if, that, if that competition exists, and if the devil can actually win sometimes, then we truly are children of a lesser God. Right, exactly. You, you know, as an energy worker, an intuitive, I've looked throughout the cosmos. I've never seen a hell. I've never seen a devil. I, I always think of kind of Earth. We have, as you said, that we're the infants, infants of the world in a way. I mean, of the world for sure, but in the universe as well. Hell is kind of right here in a way. And there's so much benevolence and beauty and high expansion energy outside of the Earth's realm. Of course, there's lots of that inside the Earth's realm as well. As well, And that's why I think it's so important for us to allow ourselves to have these connections to non-physical beings who, um, you know, adore and cherish and want the world to evolve as much as the rest of the cosmos. Because we're all one. You know, we are absolutely all one. I agree with everything you just said. And the Pope, by the way, indicated a few years ago, not the present Pope, but I think it was John Paul II, I believe, indicated on July 23, 1998, in an encyclical to Catholics around the world, hell does not exist as a place. There's no such place as hell. The Pope said that hell is simply the experience of separation from God. Right. And that experience is not brought to us, he indicated, as a punishment from God. It's not God's place to punish us, the Pope said. That is a self-inflicted wound. When we, when we separate ourselves from the notion and the experience of divinity. And I would add to that, I think the Pope was completely correct when he said that. He shocked, he shocked Catholics around the world when he said it. But I think he was absolutely correct when he said that. And I would add to that, that not only is hell the experience of separation from God, but that experience is not eternal. That is, no one is condemned to experience that for the rest of their eternal lives. They simply need to change their mind. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, we live in a profound universe where possibilities are unlimited. You know, many, many things can we learn, grow from experience. And that's what we're here for is to experience and evolve and ultimately feel joy and to fall in love with ourselves and realize that, you know, energies, creation, God love us more than we could possibly imagine. That's really why we're here, I believe. The unlimitedness of life has to do with our unlimited ability to express and to experience divinity. It's not about when we think of unlimitedness, we think, oh, I can climb the highest mountain, I can, I can make the most money, I can become a movie star, I can become the you know, first baseman for the New York Yankees. Those things are probably true, but they're utterly irrelevant to your soul. Repeating, utterly irrelevant to your soul. 
What's meant by the potential being unlimited is that you have an unlimited ability to express an experience, to announce and to declare, to become and to fulfill your true identity, to know yourself as who you really are, which is an individual aspect and, it's, and an individual manifestation of God itself. Wow, that's just And those who understood beautiful. that, Jesus, Lao Tzu, Buddha, Muhammad, and others throughout human history, those who have understood that have experienced a life that has been truly blessed. However, many people who have experienced that have been crucified mm-hmm. and, have been, and have been marginalized by people, to say the least, because most of us look at those people and say, how dare you? Who do you by whose authority mm-hmm. are you acting like this? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I have kind of a, um, I don't think it's unique, but an, an interesting way of looking at death and um, something that I've enjoyed in, in terms of I wish everyone a life. I believe we're eternal anyway, regardless of how we leave this planet. And I believe that we're kind of, you know, from a soul's perspective, we're looking at when do I want to go? And we're kind of finding opportunities because the only way based on our consciousness right now that we leave our bodies for the majority of, of beings here is that our body has to die. And, you know, there are various ways to do that, you know, whether it's an illness or a crucifixion or um, a rampage of bullets or, you know, there are many, many ways to leave the planet, but it does require a death of some sort. Um, and, and so in my mind, too, I also look at all of those experiences as, as divinely sacred and also beautiful and breathtaking and ultimately the choice of the soul, at least from my perspective. Yes. The Conversations with God book, Home with God in the Life That Never Ends, makes that statement quite specifically. It says, nobody dies at a time or in a way that is not of their choosing. Yes. So what we call death is really what I like to refer to as when a person celebrates her continuation day. Oh, love that. That is gorgeous. <laughs> that is absolutely gorgeous. And maybe that's why when, you know, I've, I used to be an oncology nurse and I would be at the bedside of... Um, our patients who are leaving the world. And I would just feel so much high vibrational joy. Of course, you know, I would comfort the patient and their family and hug them and, and do everything I could to help the body to be as comfortable as possible. But I couldn't ignore this expansive celebratory energy that was racing through my body and in the room and throughout the hospital floor because of what you just said. It's really quite profound. That was beautiful. Um, Neil, thank you so much. That was absolutely gorgeous. And I want to thank you for coming on the show today. You're going to be in Seattle. That's coming up. Um, that Do you know those dates? Because I am so sorry. I have the foggiest notion. Okay. Well, I believe that you are heading to yeah, East West. I think West. it's the end of this month. I'm it is. The 20, you know, something at the end of this month. Yes. At, uh, East West at, Bookshop. I believe it's the Unity Church of Seattle, I think. Yeah. You're going to be part of East West Bookshop. But, of course, so many people are going to be coming to watch you speak that they use the unit the Unity Church in Seattle when they have beautiful speakers like you who have transformed the world come to speak. And so you can go to East West Bookshop and um, order your tickets to see Neil when he's in town at the end of this month. It'll be, uh, actually I found it, it's uh, the 24th Saturday. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Oh, lovely. Thank you so much, um, Benny. Yeah, and everything's online so you can register there. Yeah, everything's online. You can register there. You can, I'm sure, go through, through Neil's people and find out information or you can go to East West Bookshop. And we would love to have you come and see Neil. And thank you so much for everything you do and for traveling to Seattle at the very end of the month, well, on the 24th. And um, thank you again for your new book. I know that it will touch millions. 
It's been very generous of you to invite me to the program today. Thank you so much, and perhaps I'll see you at the end of the month. I would love that. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day, and thank you, everyone, who's been listening to the show. And we send our blessings to you, our high vibration, and I think you're going to check out Neil's brand new book. Bye-bye. Have a great day. (laughs) 